Hello everyone. Thank you so much for joining us live on the webinar Proactive Customer Service Techniques to Transform Your Customer Experience. My name is Aishwarya and I handle product marketing here at ServiceParo. So for those of you who don't know about ServiceParo, we are a customer experience platform that's all about collecting feedback and closing the feedback loop. We help businesses to converse with their customers better and understand their expectations effortlessly through our surveys. But that doesn't quite end there. We also help businesses address customer concerns, functioning as a continuous improvement platform. I'm very excited to have Adrian Swinsko here with us today. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Ashwina. How are you doing? All good. How are you? I am splendid. Awesome. Adrian is a thought leader who helps organizations of all sizes to deliver better customer service and experiences. He's also a best-selling author, Forbes contributor, blogger, podcaster, frequent conference speaker, and a panel participant. And yes, here on this clipboard, you can put up all your questions. Please do, so we can answer them at the Q&A session later. In case we run out of time, we'll definitely inbox Adrian's response to your question. So don't forget to leave your email ID with us. Oh, and we promise not to spam. So over to you, Adrian. First of all, I wanted to just say thank you to everybody at, at Survey Sparrow, uh, and particularly yourself, Ashwira, to, uh, for being here today. And, and you're also your colleague, uh, Jose, who can help set this up. Um, I want to spend the next kind of few minutes uh, just talking to you about proactive customer service um, and how we can use that to, to improve and transform our customer experience. But before I do that, let me just say a little bit more about kind of who I am and what I do. So um, I use icons when I do this because, I, as they say, a picture paints a thousand words. Um, and so my work focus on a number of different things. One is I'm an advisor to businesses large and small and all things customer service and experience kind of related. Um, I've written uh, three books now. Um, the second one was a, was a bestseller called, it was called How to Wow, came out with Pearson in uh, April 2006. I do a lot of other writing on Forbes and my blog and as well as some podcasting and other commissioned writing as well. Um, but I've also just kind of launched a new book, which came out just over uh, a month ago, called Punk CX, which is very, very different. Um, so I, I would encourage people to check that out if they haven't already. But I'm also going to go and uh, speak at conferences and also run workshops for many different, uh, different businesses to help them sort of figure out how best to improve um, their experience. But enough about me. Let's talk about proactive service. But first of all, before we do that, let's actually talk about um, the opportunity it presents. Because actually proactive service, a proactive experience isn't a new thing. It's been around for oh, a long time. Probably there's been talk about it for probably something like 10 or 15 years. But actually the thing that, that concerns me is that progress in terms of putting the right sort of you know, assets and tools in place to, to facilitate a, a more proactive type of service has been <clears throat> has been slow in coming. And I think that's for, for many different reasons. I mean, that includes the availability of technology, having the right access to the right sort of data, the sort of the time it takes to put these things in place. 
and also the the, um, the the sort of effort, the cost and the effort it requires to put this in, to put them in place. But here's the thing: things are changing because I actually don't think that reactive service, you know, the traditional type of service that we normally get, is no longer is is no longer good enough. I mean, I don't think it's good enough for customers to um, have to come and, and seek our help when they have a problem or they want an answer to a question that they have. Um, because I think we have the technology and the data and the insight that can help us solve a bunch of those kind of problems. And so, and customer behavior is starting to really, really de um, demand that. So I actually think we're at a point where actually reactive customer service, it just isn't, it isn't good enough anymore and proactive service is becoming the benchmark. But what does that actually kind of mean? And what is the real opportunity? Well, here's some stats for you, which some of you may actually find quite shocking. Some of these, some of these numbers are UK and kind of US kind of based, um, but they, I think they apply to, you know, similarly to kind of to most countries around the world. And what they show is that the, um, there's a significant portion of calls into contact centers and or requests for help into contact centers that are avoidable. Moreover, here's the most shocking one, I think, is that up to about 60% of all calls into help desk, support desk, contact centers have come about because people generally can't find the right information that they want on your website. I think that's just an incredible statistic. I mean, and it's a real, but it's also a real opportunity. But also on the flip side of that, the, um, if you ask customers about, about proactivity, about whether they want to be contacted um, you know, in advance of kind of problems. Most customers, in fact, the largest majority of customers say they're actually open to it. They're happy to be contacted proactively. And in fact, many of the customers that have experienced proactive service, the largest majority of them, 73%, according to this study, has um, what's happened is that their perception of the company that they're dealing with has actually gone up, it's improved because the company's been there helping them solve the problems before they've actually shown up or just as they've shown up. Let's look at, let's dig into this a little bit, little bit further. And if we actually kind of look at kind of like, if we did the right sort of things to try and make our, our service a bit more proactive, we can actually save ourselves a lot of time and effort. You know, we can probably reduce in excess of 20 to 30% the number of inbound service requests that come into our either help desk or contact center or, or our support support team. We can lower operating costs, possibly up to as much as about a, by about a quarter. We're also going to see an upside on on retention, but we also kind of like see that the, the people that are doing kind of this and putting this sort of strategy in place, they are using it because they're using it to differentiate themselves amongst their competition. Because even though this this strategy has been talked about for a long time, it's still not that common. So, ladies and gentlemen, there's still an opportunity kind of like here. But the thing that we've got to we, we've got to, we've got to be saying is that it's a big opportunity. It doesn't exist just in that whole traditional service and help um, uh, area of the life cycle or the customer journey. I think there's opportunities to be more proactive across the whole customer life life cycle. Everything from before that somebody's purchased something from us to all around that sort of purchase kind of moment to also the, the, uh, the post-purchase uh, part of the life cycle and, and so on and so forth. So I think the opportunity is large. It just requires us to really uh, dig into it and put, 
that the request the requisite time and effort and insight um, uh, in place to make these things kind of happen now you might be asking yourself okay so what does that what does that all mean you know what you know, bring this to life for me you know help this help me understand kind of what this kind of means in reality so let's look at a few case studies of a, a bunch of different approaches from different companies and what they've done and um, um, and and what and the sort of results that they've that, that they've uh, been able to achieve so first up let's look at budget let's look at budget truck rental not necessarily the most most glamorous industry in the world renting of trucks that is but one of the things that they found is they found as the statistics kind of showed earlier on in the presentation that a lot of the calls that were coming into their contact center or into their help desk whether it's you know by call or by email many of them were coming about because people just couldn't find the answers that they were looking for on their on their website so one of the things that they did is that they put together uh, they started to put together um, an intelligent web-based self-service set of tools that could help provide kind of instant answers to questions um, from customers that were arriving at their website and this is something that it wasn't just like a put it up and just leave it it was a thing that naturally evolved over time it learned in terms of um, the, the, the sort of questions it learned from the sort of questions that customers were ask, asking and it created more and more kind of content as uh, as customers questions became increasingly kind of nuanced the thing that they did how they benefited from that is they were, were able to achieve in, this is in the first kind of year a 28% reduction in inbound calls, a 74% reduction, ladies and gentlemen, in email inquiry volume, but also they ended up surprisingly getting a 35 35% inc increase in online bookings just because they'd improved their overall experience and they're giving the cust their customers a, um, an answers to the questions up front. It's also, this also allowed them to save nearly um, nearly a million dollars worth of um, uh, allowed them to make savings of nearly about a million dollars uh, over the course of the first seven months of the operations. Now, I don't know who, I don't care who you are, but they're pretty significant results. You know, if you take another example, the um, here's Copper Airlines. They actually used the same sort of approach and the same sort of technology. They were able to achieve a 40% reduction in call and chat volume which which was what what actually can happen there what allowed them to do is it allowed their agents then to focus away from some of the more repetitive and mundane and um, it's like um, quite boring if you like kind of tasks to focus on more of the the higher value more complex um, questions that the customers had, which allowed them to solve the kind of the more pressing kind of problems and also kind of uh, build the relationships they have with kind of customers. So that was all the kind of, that's a, there's a couple of examples around a sort of a self-service type of thing. Now let's look at um, an example, which is all to do with how can we use proactive service to help us improve operations? Now, here's an example from uh, Virgin Media who are a Effectively, a cable or an internet provide internet service provider um, in, in the UK. Now, there is a rule of thumb in some of these service operations that any any industry that operates on a um, that has appointments at the heart of its operations, there's a rule of thumb that says 
of all appointments will fail. And what that does is that presents pretty much a sunk cost to the business. It's an expense that they have to bear. Now, Virgin wasn't really happy about this because this, this, this proved to be really quite expensive. You know, an engineer shows up for an appointment to, to install, you know, an internet and a line or to a new, fix a new, uh, replace a, a, a router or so on and so forth. So what they kind of, they, they did, they looked into it and looked into the idea of like, why do these appointments fail? And to their surprise, they found out it wasn't to do with their engineers and their, their planning and their operations. They found that, that, that more often than not, these appointments can fail because customers forget. We're all human beings. We, we can be forgetful from time to time. So one of the things that they did is they put together a system, which was, in this case, I think it was a, I believe it was like an SMS-based system. But what they did is they set up a, a, a series of alerts, which, which uh, they sent to customers to say, just reconfirming the appointment that you have with the Virgin Media um, engineer tomorrow. He's coming around at uh, X or Y kind of time. Can you confirm that that's still okay with you? They reply yes or no. Um, if no, then they get an opportunity to, to reschedule. But and then they kind of then Virgin Media in the run up to the appointment, they kind of they they proactively notified the customer around whether the engineer was on time or they were running a bit late. Kind of that you know. Just to, just to make sure that customer was always updated as to the status of the engineer. Here's the thing that kind of happened. They achieved a, a dramatic reduction in the, in, the, in the amount of failed appointments. They also kind of made in excess of, um, in, in doing so, they were able to save themselves in excess of about $6 million kind of dollars per year in terms of utilization and engineer kind of costs. And on the back of that, they were also to they were also able to improve their overall customer satisfaction and higher and, and achieve higher NPS scores, just because they were um, proactively communicating with their customers to make sure that the appointment stuck and that, and to minimise kind of failure. So that's a really interesting kind of way of looking at things from an operational perspective, particularly around uh, appointments. Now, if we look at another one, th this one is this one concerns kind of billing. Now. This one, and particularly this concerns, one concerns billing in uh, to do with AT&T, a very, very large telco in the US. And what they actually experienced was that they, they, they experienced the, this idea that when, some, when customers got to the end of their, their, their phone contract and, or they, kind of took, they either renewed the contract or took out a new contract, when they got their initial bill, they might have thought, oh, I'm going to sign up for the $20 a month or $30 a month um, uh, billing um, plan. Now, but when the bill came, there was all sorts of other little additions on there, which meant that the customers used to get their paper bills and then look at them and just go, well, there was all sorts of confusion. And then they can turn around and said, well, that's not necessarily what I signed up for. And what AT&T experienced is what they called bill shock, where at the point of billing, when the, their bills were, the customers received their bills, there would be this huge, massive spike in the, the amount of calls into the contact center. Now, AT&T looked at this and thought, well, it'd be really, really kind of really, really hard for us to change all our, our, our billing uh, presentations. So why don't we do something where we can actually explain to customers exactly what's going on with their, their bill? 
is what they did is they teamed up with this company called Sunday Sky. And what Sunday Sky do is they put together, um, they have this smart video technology. What they do is they put together real-time videos that explain um, the bill to customers. So actually, when the customer the customer's bill comes out, what, the, what AT and T do, even though the customer may have got a paper bill, they also send them an email with a link to a, um, a, a video that explains their bill. And it explains it in real time, it, it gets compiled in real time using their, actually data, their actual data. So they, they actually they can show them actually a picture of their bill saying, this is what you signed up for, these are all the extras, this is kind of what it means. If you have any other kind of questions, then please feel free to, um, to call us. In doing that, which is very, very clever, using very, very clever technology, they were able to dramatically reduce the calls that were coming into the contact center at, at the end of those kind of billing cycles to then almost eliminate this bill shock. But they were also able to, by doing so, they were all also able to help their, uh, their customers were, were more inclined to take on some of their extra value-add services like signing up for paperless billing and so on and so forth. And as a result of that, were able to dramatically improve their, you know, their, their MPS. So that's going to have another example that's concerning kind of billing. Now, if we look at something which is, say, around um, an emergency situation. Now, this example is uh, from Anglian Water, which is a UK water company. Well, what they've done is they have a um, they have a network of a water you know, pipeline network that spans a, um, a large part of the UK. Now they have 80% um, of their customers are signed up. Um, they have 80, 80 they have the, the mobile numbers of 80% of the customers. And what they do is whenever there's a problem with um, the water network, say that something's getting fixed or a pipe is burst and so on and so forth, they're able to proactively inform the customers that there's a problem with the water so giving them um full warning to maybe to fill the kettle or to run a bath or fill a pot so they have water while they, while the thing is getting uh, getting fixed in doing so they've been able that's allowed them to save hundreds of thousand pounds in call center costs every year but it's also improved the overall experience and also which is which is evidenced by the significant improvements they're, they're making in uh, the customer satisfaction and their NPS kind of scores, but also the positive feedback that they're, they're also kind of receiving. So let's take one final example just to show you the kind of the range of all these kind of different, um, the, the different possibilities. Here's another, here's another uh, example from a company called BetterCloud. Now you might not have heard of them, but they are one of the latest unicorn tech companies. And what they do is they provide insights, automated management, and intelligent data security for cloud office-based platforms. They're sort of, they sit in the background and just ch chug away to make sure that all these kind of cloud SaaS-based kind of products um, kind of work as efficiently, as effectively as they, as they can. But one of the things that they've done is like from day one, they've always tried to do service a bit better than everybody else. And here's a couple of examples of what they do and how, how they've got proactive service kind of almost like dialed in, hardwired into their DNA. So the first thing that they do is that they're constantly looking at their use logs so that they can spot when the customers are having problems and when, the, and when they're seeing, seeing error messages. So as soon as they see that, they, and as soon as they spot a customer having a problem, what they do is uh, 
they, it prompts their system prompts the start of a chat session with one of the customers where, the, where one of the team reaches out to the customer right inside their application and says, hey, we see that you're having a problem. If you do this, this, and this, then that should solve it. You know, so, but this is not just about you know, a techno technological fix. This is about culture. This is about kind of like people kind of wanting to be on the front foot to do these sort of things. Um, another thing that they do is that when their system actually uh, spots a problem that the customer may have not actually seen as yet, They've actually got their help desk system set up that it proactively and automatically creates an open ticket for a customer when it spots them having a problem. So they know that they, the customer automatically gets notified, oh, we spotted a problem. And just to let you know that we spotted it and we're, 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 um, we're, we're, we're on it and we're, we're, we'll fix it in, 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 you know, as soon as we possibly can. What that's meant, it's completely driven the growth of the business. As I say, they've now reached kind of unicorn status, which is they have a, a $1 billion plus valuation. But from a data, on a day-to-day -day basis, from a customer perspective, it also means that the renewal rates are at almost near 100%, and their customer satisfaction rates kind of hit, routinely hit 99% on, you know, on a day-by-day on a -day basis. So I'm sure you'd agree that's pretty impressive. So, so I've given you a whole bunch of examples. You know, now, we, so as I said, we've looked at a whole bunch of case studies across a whole bunch of industries. Now, the thing that you'll be asking yourself is like, so what, how do I do this? How do I put this into place? So let's kind of look at that in more detail. Now, here's a couple of um, couple of diagrams. The one, you'll, one on the, the left, you'll notice there's something that I used before where I talked about pre-purchase, purchase, uh, and per purchase uh, parts of the life cycle. I think what we can do is we, we need to just pick one of those stages, one of those parts of the life cycle to start with. And then what we need to do is we need to kind of start thinking about, we need to investigate that part of the, the life cycle, that part of the journey. And we need to use kind of data tools to find and this is the key thing, frequently occurring problems. When we do that, when we, when we find those kind of problems, then we've got to start thinking about, okay, um, what can we do to try and fix those problems or actually proactively solve those problems so that, 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 that the customers can either self-serve or we can, we can either eliminate the problem or we can help the customer self-serve um, that problem or solve that problem before the, the customer achieves it. The key, the key, thing here though to, to appreciate is most of many of those kind of problems will require us to to reach out and uh, work across functions and work collaboratively to be able to develop kind of solutions um, once we've done that i think the thing we've got to do is we've got to figure out how we can when we start moving towards this pro, uh, like a proactive approach to service the key thing I, I always think in my experience is that we've, we've always got to aim for quick wins to generate momentum because it's, we've got to deal with the, the organizational context here. Everybody wants to see progress very, very quickly. So think about kind of that develop, you know, work collaboratively to design and develop these kind of solu solutions. Figure out what a pilot needs to kind of look like so you, uh, it's focused on a quick win so you can generate momentum and then learn from that. So test and learn, test and learn so you get that kind of solution right. Once you've done that, and, and you've been able to learn and adjust for maximum return, then you can, then you can scale it across the, uh, the organization. Once you've done that, then it's going to rinse and repeat. You know? So the key thing about being proactive is that is, it, isn't a, it cannot be a set and done strategy. 
it's a way of thinking and it's a way of uh, you know a way of being um and that becomes the hardest part of it because it's it's something you, you we have to kind of learn to do to add into kind of our daily kind of like a, a, a daily kind of like working so it's not easy but it's worth it so here's some things that i want to leave you with is the idea that proactivity has been around for some time uh, the idea of being proactive has been around for some time, but it's been held back by the fact that maybe the, the you know the technology hasn't been there to to enable it. We haven't had access to the right sort of kind of data, or the fact that it's just hard to do. But here's the thing: proactivity, if you get it right, it will improve costs, sales, engagement, and satisfaction. Here's the thing: also, your customers want it, um, and opportunities exist across the whole customer journey, across the whole life cycle. Moreover, uh, more, moreover, please don't ignore the little things because lots of little proactive kind of changes, they add up, they can add up to, you know, a much, much bigger things. So it's actually, even if the quick thing, quick win that is that you, that you start with is a small thing, start there and just keep going because they all, all the little things, they add up in the end. Don't forget that you have to work, uh, you're going to have to work kind of cross functionally and, and collaborate to get this kind of done. But you know, but always be always be piloting, always be learning, always be adjusting before you try and scale something. Because this is this is remember, this is not just a set and done strategy. This is a this is learning um, how to add another habit into your daily ways of working. So that's all for me kind of right now. Um, over to um, Survey Sparrow and or yourselves for any for any questions. That was indeed a terrific session, Adrian. I'm sure our participants learned a lot from you today. There are no second thoughts about being proactive with your customers to give them a memorable experience altogether. So now let's move on to the Q&A session. The first question is from Hannah. What are the best case practices in handling customer feedback? So that's, I mean, I think that's a really good question. But here's the, here's the thing I would say about, about that is that um, First of all, if you're not asking your customers for feedback, then um, please start. But it, please respect the, uh, your customers' time and effort when you're doing that. So keep your keep your 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 surveys and your questions kind of relevant and short. But the thing that I would also say, which is the biggest Achilles heel, which I know that SurveySpire, you you guys are trying to um, trying to help with, is that most people don't. Tell that you know even when they've even after they've asked their customers for feedback, most people don't tell their customers what they're doing with their feedback. They don't kind of like, they don't share it around their organization. They don't sort of consider it. They don't action it, and they don't put, necessarily put things in place. And they don't finally they don't report back to the customers. And I actually kind of think that that's a that's a massive massive Achilles heel when it comes to asking for customer feedback. Because if you think about it from a very human perspective, if you had a, a friend or a relative that was always asking for feedback or always asking for your opinion, but then you ended up, you ended up never telling them what you did with it or um, how it affected their life or how it improved their life, then beyond a certain point, you'd probably stop giving feedback. Um, so the key thing for me is if you're ever going to ask for feedback, make sure you close the loop. That's absolutely essential. 
All right, Adrian. The next one's from Mac. He asks, how do you really prepare customers for success using our SaaS product pre and post implementation? Um, so I think with any product really or any service, um, and if you're thinking about customer success, then I think the clue is in the, the term is you've got to ask you've got to you've got to ask your customers what success looks like let them determine what it looks like or educate them kind of what other people have done to be successful um i guess the 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 the, the key thing here is that it's an exercise in um in in empathy it's in in conversation um the the more that you understand your customers and the more that the, um, that you understand what success looks like for them or what it is that they're trying to achieve, I think the, uh, the more successful you, you will be. I think when it comes to SaaS products, the, absolutely, the absolute key for, um, for, for SaaS products, particularly when you're, you're thinking about kind of pre-implementation, pre is the onboarding process. What you've got to do is you've got to figure out what is the quickest way that you get your that you get your customers to a point where they feel like they're being successful? And, you know, what's the fastest way to do that? Um, and uh, on a, from a post implementation kind of perspective, you've got to figure out well, what what can I do that helps my my customer continue to be successful? You know, but from their perspective, not from your perspective. The all has to be driven kind of by kind of them. What it is that they want to achieve in their kind of business and how your product can help them do that. Okay. Matthew asks, how do you win back your lost customers? Um, so I would actually kind of, uh, I would say that you, uh, if you've already lost your customers, then I would kind of, I would suggest that they're, that you've, you're already not necessarily doing a great job because research shows that actually many customers kind of leave, not because um, they're disappointed with the, you know, the quality of the product or the price of the product. They, they leave because you know, maybe they just not have great service from you or you've never been in touch with them or, you know, they just think that you're indifferent to them. Um, so, I think you kind of have to before you even lose a, a, um, a, a customer, you've got to ask yourself, um, you know, when was the last time I was in touch with them? You know, when was the last time I showed uh, an interest in my customer? When was the last time that I um, I did something that was useful for them, that was about about improving their life, not just about me selling them more stuff? Um, and if you do that, then you're probably going to be able to put yourself on the right track towards thinking about, well, starting to minimize the, um, the, the number of customers that you're going to lose. But once you've actually, you know, say that you get to a point where you actually have lost customers. Well, I think the worst thing that you can do is when you've got lost customers is to try and sell them back into your product or service again. Maybe the best thing to do is to show that you actually you acknowledge that they've left maybe you should call them up and just say hey we're sorry that you left um we're wondering why if you could if you could take a moment to tell us kind of like why why you did why you, why you did leave and just ask for you know ask for some feedback so you can learn 
but don't do it kind of assuming that it's also an opportunity to sell. Um, just do it so you can learn. And I tell you what would happen. Actually, you may, you may it may turn out that some if you just do that, you know, and you do that actively, it may actually kind of turn out that um, some of those kind of some of those customers that you thought were lost will come back. That's amazing. And uh, finally, Jerry would like to know what marketers can do to improve customer service. Um, well, I actually think there's a, it's it's a it's a it's an interesting kind of an interesting question, and I actually think that there's two things. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a little bit of a story. Um, I think if you think about if you went to like a social gathering, whether it's a party or a networking event or something like that, and you, you know, there's say you you met somebody. That and all they did was they just talk about themselves all the time. It's like me, 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 me. And all they're doing is that they're looking for attention. And all they're trying to do is they're trying to just be interesting all of the time. Um, and gather, get, generate people's interest. Now, beyond a certain point, that can be, you know, that can be good fun if you like listen to people's stories, but beyond a certain point, I, I guess most people would probably agree that that can get a little bit boring. And then on the flip side, there's there's also other sort of people that that if you go to one of these social events, you can have kind of people that they're just really interested in you. That they ask questions, they um, they they they're you know they're really kind of they make you feel really comfortable. Like kind of home. Well, depending on how you feel, I mean that could be somebody just asking questions, asking questions all the time could probably feel quite creepy beyond a certain point. But you could also, depending on your, on you know, and how you're feeling at that time, it may actually, you may, they, they may end up kind of feeling like your best friend. And I tell that, you know, that story because I think that we, for marketers, should think about customer service from a perspective of that interesting and interested. I think most marketing has falls into a trap that it just tries to be interesting all the time. It all is always trying to to gather people, grab people's attention. But beyond a certain point, that can get boring and we ignore it. But actually, I think we need to kind of ask ourselves, how much of our marketing is being interested in our customers? How much of it is actually listening to them? How much of it is actually solving their problems? How much of it is being useful and valuable rather than just kind of being all fancy, kind of look at me over here type of things? And I think if we did an audit of our marketing around how much of it was interesting and how much it was interested, I would just, I would guess that most of most of the marketing that gets done is probably eighty percent trying to be interesting and only about twenty percent to be um, interested and useful and valuable. If we try to get a better a better balance in that in, you know in that interesting versus interested, I actually think that would have a direct. Um, impact on the, the service that our customers would get because what we'd end up doing is we'd end up creating kind of more stuff that was most most interesting and useful for our customers and that in turn would help improve the, the overall service and experience that our, that our customers got. That's very true. Uh, thank you so much Adrian and I think with that we can wrap up the webinar. Uh, if you happen to miss anything, uh, no worries. Do check out surveyspyro.com slash webinars. 
where we'll be publishing the recording shortly. Once again, thank you so much, Adrian, for your time and insights. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. We look forward to seeing you soon during our next webinar. Have a wonderful day ahead.